Timothy is the last letter that we have from the Apostle Paul. And it is a deeply moving letter. Paul is under house arrest in Rome. And any day now, he might be executed for his faith. He says near the end of this letter, I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Isn't that what we all want to be able to say at the end? Let's be praying for our senior adults in these days. that They'll be able to say those kinds of words. At the end, Timothy has been a dear friend to Paul, and Paul doesn't know whether or not he will ever see Timothy again. Uh, He writes in this letter to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. He, He wants to see Timothy at least one more time. Timothy was very dear to Paul's heart. Paul and Barnabas had visited Timothy's hometown of Lystra. And while there, Paul had healed a man who had been crippled from birth. And this was such an amazing miracle that the people had begun to treat Paul and Barnabas as gods, even trying to to worship Paul and Barnabas. But Paul had preached the gospel to the people there, and a congregation of Christians, a church, was established there in Lystra. A few years later, Paul returns to Lystra, this time with Silas as his companion. Uh, Paul comes to encourage and to strengthen the church that he founded in that town some years earlier. And it's then that he meets this young man named Timothy. Uh, Timothy had been taught the scriptures since birth. His father was a Greek and probably an unbeliever. But Timothy's grandmother, Lois... And his mother, Eunice, were both believers and part of this church in Lystra. And so Timothy joins with Paul and becomes not only his traveling companion, but eventually his most trusted ministry partner and probably his best earthly friend. Uh, Paul may well have viewed Timothy as the son he never had. Uh, When Corinth was having troubles and needed help, It was Timothy that was sent. And Paul told the Corinthians that Timothy is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Timothy was Paul's messenger to the church in Philippi. He said to the Philippian Christians, You know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy was more than just a mailman delivering Paul's letters. Timothy would go to churches and serve them teach them, encourage them, and help them. Paul sent Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. And to them he said that Timothy is our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in the faith. Timothy knew what it was to suffer for the faith. And we learn in Hebrews 13 that Timothy had been placed in prison. When Paul writes both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Timothy is serving the church in Ephesus. He's caring for the people there. He's helping to put that church in order. In the pages of the Bible, 
There are few people lifted up as greater examples of diligent, faithful, devoted service to Christ and his churches. And so with that in mind, look at 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 7. And remember that this is not only a very moving letter from Paul to his dear friend and son in the faith, Timothy. This is also the very word of God given to us for our good. So beginning in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, since today is Mother's Day, you already know where this sermon is going. It's a popular Mother's Day text. Paul mentions Timothy's grandmother, Lois. Paul mentions Timothy's mother, Eunice. But what is so important about these ladies? And why are they worth thinking about on this Sunday evening? Well, the answer is this. Timothy was a choice instrument in the hands of God. Timothy was used by God to care for many different churches in many different places. He was a pastor. He was a missionary. He was a discipler. He was an apostle's helper. Through Timothy's service, the gospel shone brighter and reached more people and was used of God for His glory in the world. Timothy was a choice servant. And yet, when Paul thinks about Timothy, he doesn't just think about the bare grace of God. Yes, Timothy's giftedness and diligence and faithfulness, these were mercies of God. God made Timothy the man that he was. But God uses means. God's grace comes to us through instruments. And when Paul thinks of Timothy, he recognizes that this man is who he is because of the influence and the impact of his grandmother and his mother. Which means that the legacy of Timothy isn't just his legacy. Timothy's legacy is his mother's legacy and his grandmother's legacy. The fruit that was reaped in the life of Timothy Affecting this world for Christ was a direct result of the sowing that happened while he was young and under the care of his grandmother and mother. These women sowed into his life, God added his blessing, and what was reaped was kingdom fruit through the life and ministry of this godly young man. Isn't it interesting that even here in our passage, when Timothy has been out from under the care of his mother and grandmother for many years, Paul is still reminding Timothy of them so that Timothy will strive all the more for Christ. It's as if Paul reminds Timothy of his grandmother's faith and of his mother's faith, which is now evident in Timothy's faith, 
And remembering his grandmother and remembering his mother, Timothy is now to fan into flame the gift of God in his life. Timothy is to put away all timidity. He is to be full of boldness. He's to be full of love. He's to be full of self-control. When Timothy thinks of his mother and his grandmother, they make him want to be a better man. Their life of sowing into him makes him now want to be a better servant of Christ. Here's what I want to say about Timothy's mother, Eunice, tonight. She was the kind of mother whose parenting had repercussions far beyond the life of her own son. Eunice's parenting was the kind of parenting that had repercussions far beyond the life of her own son. And this is how mothering always is. Because every child that grows to be an adult will meet so many people and have so many conversations and so many differing relationships. It is amazing the amount of influence and impact any one person has over a period of a lifetime. Every mother, whether she realizes it or not, is raising a child who will go on to touch the lives of many, many people, be it in big ways or small ways, be it for good or for evil. This is why the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world but in the case of Eunice her mothering didn't just have repercussions beyond the life of her own son her mothering had eternal repercussions her mothering had kingdom repercussions her her sowing into Timothy's life produced kingdom fruit The care and the teaching and the love that she poured into Timothy didn't just serve Timothy. It served Christ. And through Timothy, those years of investment were rewarded as lost people were saved and Christians were discipled and churches were cared for and Jesus Christ was lifted up through her son. And so... On this Mother's Day, I'm setting before us the example of Eunice, and I am pointing to how her calling as a mother was a kingdom calling with kingdom implications. And what I want to do is call on any mothers in this room to become missional moms. Missional moms. Now, let me be very precise by what I mean by that. The the word missional has been used by a variety of people in a variety of different ways. So here is how I am using that term. A missional mom is a mom whose care for her children is not her highest calling. Her care for her children is not her highest calling. But... Her care for her children is part of the fulfillment of her highest calling, which is to glorify Christ with her life. Or to put it differently, a missional mom is a mom who parents not only and not even mainly for the sake of her children, but for the sake of Christ. Her parenting is a part of her devotion to her Lord. She does not love her children more than her Lord. But she loves her children with the highest love possible because she loves her Lord. 
Her love is the best kind of love a child can ever have because it is a God-centered love that seeks to connect that child to the glory of God, His grace, and His purposes in the world. A missional mom is not an idolater. She doesn't worship her children. She does not make her children the highest treasure of her life. No, Jesus is her highest treasure. But for the glory and for the fame of Jesus, she sacrificially pours herself into her children so that they might make a difference in the world. Her desire is that whatever Christ might call her children to do, she wishes that they be equipped, ready, competent servants. The missional mom, her allegiance is to Christ first, and for His sake, she mothers to the very best of her ability, looking to Christ for strength and for help. Missional mothering is intentional. It's oriented around Christ's great mission of building His church. This woman's role as a mother is part of that great church-building mission. When the missional mom prays, Your kingdom come, she knows that she's helping the kingdom to come by raising children who by God's grace will be a part of that kingdom and who will be equipped to help spread the gospel so that others will be brought into that kingdom. So I would simply ask, moms, is that the way you view your calling? Is that the way you see your role? Let me lay down a little more biblical evidence for this idea of missional mothering. I was struck some time ago by this quote from David Platt's popular book, Radical. And in that book, Platt says this. He says, To disconnect God's blessing from God's global purpose is to spiral downward into an unbiblical, self-saturated Christianity that misses the point of God's grace. So let me say that again. To disconnect God's blessing from God's global purposes is to spiral downward into an unbiblical, self-saturated Christianity that misses the point of God's grace. Now, is that true? You bet it is. The Bible teaches clearly that every blessing that God gives to us is to be received not just as a gift for ourselves, but as a gift to help us spread the glory of His name. That includes, by the way, the gift of children. Uh, Psalm 67, verses 1 through 3, May God be gracious to us and bless us and to make His face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So do you hear it? The psalm begins with a prayer, a call for God to bless His people. But why do God's people call for Him to bless them? So that His way will be known on the earth, His saving power among all nations. God's people pray for God to bless them so that through them, the peoples of the world might come to praise Him. We are not to hoard the blessings of God. We are to benefit from them and steward them for God's glory. Parents, your children are one of the highest blessings God has ever given to you. Are you stewarding them for His glory? 
They are arrows in your quiver ready to be shot out into the world. When you send them out, will they be arrows flying straight and true, hitting the mark? Will they bring glory to God? It's interesting that in our modern American culture, having children is seen very much as a personal matter, having little or nothing to do with society. But Christians in England just a few centuries ago would talk about having and raising children for England's sake. Parents saw that if Christians would have children and train them up well, and if God would bless, the result would be a wonderful change in the culture of the whole nation. Uh, One of the best ways that we can be salt and light in this world, making a difference for Christ, is to have children who become godly and live kingdom-oriented lives. Now, of course, we cannot presume that our children will grow up to be Christians. But as a general principle, if we train them up in the way that they should go, when they are old, they will not depart from it. Another line of biblical evidence comes from the fact that the Bible calls all of us to live our lives with a burden for the lost around us. We're told to love our neighbor And if our neighbor is on his way to hell, certainly love demands that we long for that person's salvation. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he did everything that he did so that lost people would be saved. That this was his great goal in life. This was the chief way he served the Lord. In every decision, in every area of his life, he lived with an eye towards seeing people saved. And then... Right after explaining all of that in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, Paul lived an evangelistic lifestyle, a kingdom-oriented lifestyle, and he says, I learned that from Christ. I'm imitating Christ. You do the same. You imitate me as I imitate Christ. And this isn't just a call. It's a command. Our Savior commands us to live with the salvation of the lost as our chief earthly concern. This means that whatever callings God has given you, they are to be fulfilled for the cause of the gospel. If you're a parent, you are to parent with an eye towards the spread of the gospel. Don't just parent well for your child's sake. Parent for the sake of the nations. Parent for the kingdom. Now, having set before you Timothy's mother Eunice and pointed to how her mothering had a kingdom impact and having given some biblical evidence for this vision for mothering, I want to draw out some implications. If Christian moms are to mother for Christ's sake and the gospel's sake and the kingdom's sake, what does that mean on a practical level for the moms in our church? Well, I want to give some implications under two headings. First, I want to list briefly some characteristics of the missional mom, and then I want to give some helps for the missional mom. Some characteristics of the missional mom, some helps for the missional mom. Obviously, we're going to have to move through these rather quickly. So here we go. First, some characteristics of the missional mom. Number one, the missional mom prays. For the souls of her children. She prays for the souls of her children. 
the missional mom will want God to be the God of her children. And she will long for them to have a heart aflame with love for him. The missional mom will be like Hannah, devoting her child to the Lord. The missional mom daily cries out to God that he would consecrate, set apart her children for special blessing and special purposes. There is nothing we can do to serve our children more than to pour our hearts out for them before the Lord. This is where all true and godly parenting begins. Second, the missional mom will seek to give her children a high view of Christ. She will seek to give her children a high view of Christ. The Scriptures teach us that Christ is before all things. He is supreme in authority, and He is supreme in goodness and majesty and righteousness and love. In other words, Jesus is a Lord worth loving. He is a Lord worthy of our sacrifice and our obedience. We can delight in serving a Lord like this. But our children will never grow to live a life of kingdom service if they don't have this high view of Christ. If sports or entertainment or material possessions or anything else seems better and more satisfying to them, then knowing Christ and making Him known, they will live for those other things instead. We all live for those things in which we find the most satisfaction for our souls. And so the missional mom has a goal of helping her children see the glories of Christ. She helps them to understand that while His gifts are wonderful, Christ Himself is even better than His gifts. By her example, her words, her teaching, her lifestyle, a mother's life should preach to her kids the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. What your children think about Christ, how they view Him, will largely shape the kind of adults they become. So we want to give them a high view of Christ. Number three, the missional mom will seek to expose her children to the brokenness around them. She will seek to expose her children to the brokenness around them. Our children will not grow up with a heart of compassion and a heart of generosity if we are not connecting them to people who need that compassion and generosity even as they grow up. So often we so isolate our children in a middle class world where everyone they know is just like them and no one seems to have any real problems. But if our children are to have the heart of Christ, the Savior who ate with tax collectors and sinners, we need to find appropriate ways to open their eyes to the neediness of people around them. And the best way to do this, of course, is by our own example. What does Proverbs 31 say about the excellent wife? She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. It isn't just that the needy reach out to her. She is reaching out to them. The missional mom sets an example for her children by leading them in caring for the poor and the hurting around them. And then, of course, on top of material poverty and material need is spiritual poverty and spiritual need. 
how often parents should be teaching their children about the sad reality that so many people around them are walking blind and don't know Jesus. So many people around them are making foolish, bad decisions, not walking according to the light of Christ. The missional mom leads her children to pray for the lost around them, to pray for lost family members, lost neighbors, lost folks in the community. May God cultivate in the hearts of our children a great burden for the lost. May God give our children a zeal to see many more reached with the gospel of Christ. And then fourth, the missional mom will seek to give her children a global vision. A global vision. Christ's kingdom is a global kingdom. The the church is going to be made up of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. We want our children not only to have compassionate hearts towards the brokenness around them locally, but we want them to understand the lostness of this world. We want them to see that we have been given a great message to take to the nations. We have good news. And how our world needs that good news. We want our children to know about other Christians around the world, their suffering, their bravery, their courage, how they're standing for Christ in hard places. And the missional mom longs to give her children that global vision. She does this through the Scriptures, which teach again and again about the whole earth being filled with the glory of God as the Gospel goes forth. The missional mom teaches her children geography. She helps them to know countries and continents of the world so that as they learn about missionaries and international events, they can picture in their minds where these people are. She teaches her children about the heroes of the, pra- of the past and leads them in praying for the heroes of the present those proclaiming the gospel in the hardest places of the world today. The names of John Patton and Adoniram and Ann Judson and Hudson Taylor and William Carey. These names ought to be precious to the hearts of our children. Number five, the missional mom will seek to model boldness and courage for her children. She will seek to model boldness and courage for her children. God's people are not to be ruled by a spirit of fear. God's people are to be courageous, willing to speak the truth, eager to stand for righteousness. Remembering your grandmother and your mother, Timothy, put away all timidity. Be bold. You see, the missional mom has big dreams for her children, and she knows that if these children are to be useful to God, they must have a backbone. They can't be wimpy kids. They must learn how to take risks and to bear blows and to stay firm. And so the missional mom must model this herself. The perseverance and endurance of a mom in the midst of trials can have a lasting positive effect upon her children. The perseverance and endurance of a mom in the midst of trials can have a lasting positive effect upon her children. Moms with backbones of steel, ready to obey Christ and stay faithful even when it's really hard, often produce children with backbones of steel who become great witnesses for Christ in this world. Now I could have listed 
20 more characteristics of the missional mom, but this is a sermon and not a series. So we're going to move to some helps for the missional mom. Some helps for the missional mom. Where does the missional mom find her strength and her encouragement and the inner resolve to persevere in this great work? Four biblical answers to that question. Number one, the missional mom finds help in the presence of God. The presence of God. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We draw all of our strength from our union and communion with Christ. The missional mom must make it a priority to seek the empowering presence of God daily. God is to be sought after here in our corporate gatherings. Moms should love these corporate gatherings where God meets with us and blesses us and equips us and strengthens us. But moms should also seek out a vibrant personal communion with God. Uh, this morning, we talked about Susanna Wesley. House full of kids, 10 kids that lived beyond infancy. There was no way for her to get alone to be with God. And so she had her portable apron, her portable prayer closet. She found a way to have her time in the presence of God. Number two, the missional mom finds help in the promises of God in the promises of God. Uh, Christians like to talk all the time about not serving in our own strength, but serving in Christ's strength. But what does that really mean? What does it really mean to serve in God's strength and not our own strength? Well, it means taking hold of the promises of God. The promises of God in the Bible are like fuel to a car. You have to have the fuel running through the engine for the car to go. So also, Christians lay hold of the promises of God by faith, and then as their soul believes those promises, they find the strength to keep on going, a spirit-given strength. But it's always connected to the Word. It's always connected to the promises. Just as you digest food to have energy to live, your soul must regularly be digesting the promises of God if you are to persevere in good works. Moms, there are so many promises that God has given you to encourage you and to keep you going when the going gets tough. But those Bible promises don't do you a bit of good if they just sit in the Bible. You have to lay hold of them. You have to think upon them. You have to believe them. The missional mom depends upon the promises of God. They are precious to her. That is where she draws her strength. Number three, the missional mom finds help in a godly husband. Uh, for various reasons, not all missional moms have a godly husband, but God is gracious. He makes provision for those mothers. There is special grace for those dear mothers. Part of that grace is to come through a church family. But for those moms that do have a godly husband, your husband is to be a true help to you. Uh, yes, you are called to be your husband's helper, but he is also called to help you. After all, this mission of raising godly children that will serve the kingdom of Christ, it's his mission too. Indeed, I, I hope you won't think me too provocative if I suggest that it's his mission first. 
Um, it's, it's the dad that will be held first responsible by God for, for how his children were raised. But mom has delegated much of that responsibility. It's part of why God created moms. And so this mission is not a mission for mom to share, to have alone. It's, it is a shared mission. It's a mission for, for her to have help with. And there is so much help to be had as husband and wife discuss together the encouragements and the challenges, the obstacles and the possibilities when it comes to their children. So missional moms look to godly husbands for guidance and help. They look to their husbands for regular discussions concerning the training up of the children as well as mutual prayer for the children. Godly husbands seek to be a listening ear and a fountain of wisdom. And so dads, make sure that you are well involved in the training up of your children. And moms, lean on the strength of your husband and let him help you carry this load. But then number four, the missional mom finds help from other missional moms. From other missional moms. One of the great truths of Christ's church is that we are to serve one another. God gives us to one another to be a help to one another. That the missional mom looks to older, godly mothers in the church and seeks to learn from their wisdom. She looks to those who seem to have done a good job in fulfilling this calling. And she seeks to glean as much help from these ladies as possible. The missional mom also finds time to be around other moms who seek to raise Christ-honoring, kingdom-oriented kids. And together they spur one another on in this great work. The missional mom will always struggle if she seeks to be a lone ranger. We must make use of the precious gift that God has given us, the gift of other mothers to strengthen, equip, counsel, and encourage. Older moms, grandmothers, those who no longer have young children in the home, you are to be a help to the younger mothers around them, to support them and to to care for them. So, a missional mom seeks to raise up children whose lives will have a kingdom impact for the glory of Christ. The missional mom prays for her children and she seeks to give them a high view of Christ. She exposes them appropriately to the brokenness around them and she seeks to give them a global mission. She models boldness and courage for her kids. She finds help in the presence of God and in the promises of God. She finds help in others, a godly husband, a church family, other missional moms. Now, let's close this evening by asking God to bless our mothers and the children of this church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.